We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. So, I do get to tell you a little bit about our ride. And yes, Friday night, whenever we came in from the ride, it was like, oh, we finally made it. Did some little things, and we didn't stay at the host hotel. Ours was about 10 miles away, and if you can imagine Washington, D.C. traffic, 10 miles is like 500 miles. So we got on the bike, we get there, and we're going in, and we were supposed to be at Everybody meets at the Lincoln Memorial the next day for a big picture. And I looked at Steve and I go, you think we could take an Uber back over there tomorrow? (laughs) I just did not want to get back on that motorcycle. But anyway, um, okay, my notes. Uh Uh-oh. Technical difficulty here. There we go. Okay. Um, M25, we went as chaplains. Most of you know Gary Bird, M25 Ministries. M25 comes from Matthew 25, and the main verse here is verse 45. Then he will answer them and say, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So the Lord is saying that the least of those around us are representing him. And if we minister to them, we're ministering to him. And that's what M25's mission is, is to reach the least of these. So we're talking the homeless. We're talking combat vets. You know, there's, there's a lot of least of these out there. So the Run for the Wall um, run, it's, uh, runs from Ontario, California, to Washington, D.C. They split it up. Our longest stay was 387 miles, I think. But M25, go, we go as chaplains. We also um, had the hydration trailer. So every time there was a stop, the hydration trailer opened up. We had waters, Gatorades, snacks, sometimes fruit to give everyone. Because as you can imagine, because when we were going across Arizona, it was 117 degrees. It was hot. And so people were getting dehydrated. And so as soon as we would get off, we'd go, we'd get waters, we'd try to get them out to everybody. And, and we were in Platoon 6. We were the chaplains for Platoon 6. And so I was always going back, have, how much have you drank? You know, trying to make sure they drank one as they were getting off and another one before they got back on. And uh, we were still having people dropping from dehydration because it was just so hot. And so that was... Um, our job also being the chaplains, uh, we would pray. Um, well, every morning we would always pray. We did the Pledge of Allegiance and all those things, but they always had a chaplain come up and pray. And it's, this is kind of interesting to me because um, we've always been told that there's a little bit of a resistance to religious people being along. But every time a chaplain, I mean, this is 31 years, this is the 31st anniversary of the run. But when the chaplain would get up, everybody's hats came off, man or woman, everybody's hats, everybody. And as soon as the prayer was done, it was a unanimous amen. So whether their resistance to that or not, they wanted that. And um, there was some accidents, and there, one of the first accidents was Platoon 5, and they had not had their chaplain pray over them that morning. 
first thing the platoon leader said, we're not letting that happen again. You're praying every morning over us. So, um, and with M25, they have kind of a word they've come up with in a, in a shirt. It's balnum. It's B-A-L-N-A-M. Be a light, not a mouth. And that was our ministry, was to be a light. So we're giving them water, we're giving them Gatorades, whatever it is we felt like they needed. We had one gentleman that is, um, Walker broke down at one of the memorials that we stopped at, M25, and we had nurses. Immediately, we loca- they located another one, went and got it, brought it back. So he had a new uh, walker to go along, um, which to us, that's just the thing to do. But the rest of them were just in awe that we would do that, you know. But for us, that's just second nature. Well, if somebody's got a need, we're going to fill that need. So it was just another opportunity for God to let our light shine. The, the run is in memory of Vietnam veterans that didn't make it back home, our POWs, our MIAs. And probably you are seeing things in the, the news about um, some of them, the remains, they're being identified, families are getting closure. But there's still a lot out there that families do not have any clue about their loved one. And this run also helps to emphasize to our government that it's important that our families have closure. And please don't ever stop searching to get answers for these families because it's important. This run also is a healing process for our veterans. They come on this ride and they get to be around other veterans. A lot of them that served, maybe not right beside them, but were in the same era with them. And they can talk to each other. They can talk a language to each other that you and I don't really understand. We don't understand the full effects of what they went through. But they're brothers. They become brothers when they go. They understand because they walked through those battles with them. So it's a healing process. Plus, it gives them um, something that they identify with. When they were in the military, you know, they identified with what they were there for. And this kind of brings back a little bit of that. Now, I've heard one that has said that it kind of gives him the same adrenaline rush that when he was flying, you know, those kinds of things. So it just helps that. And then as they get to the Vietnam Wall, some of them, you'll notice, become a little bit more withdrawn, a little bit quieter, because they're going to face a wall that remembers the ones that they left behind. And some of their stories are tragic. Tragic. We had one gentleman that shared his story that because he had drank too much the night before and was still very out of it, a friend of his took his helicopter flight, and his friend did not come back. So he suffers from the guilt. It should have been me. It should have been me. And that's a hard thing to let go of. We all have our guilt that we think, oh, I shouldn't have done that, or, or whatever it is. And, and we struggle leaving it and walking away from it. How, how many times have we picked it back up? Even though we come and we pray, but we pick it back up and we take it home with us again and we still deal with it. And most of these men don't, don't know the Lord. So they, they don't even know the process of trying to leave something at the altar. They're just trying to deal with it on their own. So this whole thing is really a healing process for, this, for these men and women. And you see them, as we, and we always meet Saturday and they take a, a big photo And then we walk across and we walk past the memorial wall for the Vietnam veterans. 
And you see these men, hard-looking men, and they've got their hands on the wall and tears are just flowing because they're remembering their friends and their brothers that they left behind. And it's hard. And all we can do is just put our hand on them and say, we're praying for you. We're here for you. And so um, I told you that I went from Ontario, California, all the way to Washington, D.C. I think we left Wednesday the 15th that morning. Every morning was a 5 a.m. morning for us. Most nights, if we were in the room, we did stay in a hotel. We didn't sleep on the side of the road. I've had a lot of people ask me that. Hotel, thank you for the bed. (laughs) And um, then, uh, you know, if we were back in by 9 o'clock, you know, and believe me, by the time we got in, I was out. You know, there was no staying up or anything. Um, most All the meals were either provided by a VA hospital that we would stop at, American Legion Post, Harley-Davidson dealers, uh, schools, and churches. So we had breakfast, lunch, and supper. So most you'd think, man, all that sweating, you'd lose a lot of weight. No, they feed you like kings at every one of these, you know. So it's like, oh, too much food. But it was wonderful because, we, you know, like the school children, they had their programs all lined up and just to honor all the veterans. So it was really a cool experience. Um, told you Arizona was 117. Our first chance to do ministry, um, it came from a veteran coming up to me and saying, aren't you one of the chaplains? Steve had a chaplain badge on his arm. But they came up and they said, aren't you one of the chaplains? And I said, yes. And they said, well, there's a lady in here who needs prayer at the first hotel we stopped at. So I went in and I just started talking to her and trying to get her story out of her and just really find out what was going on. She had been living with her sister who had just passed away with cancer. And she had had a reverse mortgage on her home, so as soon as the sister passed away, she had to get out of the home. Children do not want her. And um, so she's been living in this hotel, and she was just bawling. My funds are about to run out, and she goes, I don't get much every month. And um, so Steve had come in by that time, once had the full story, so we just started praying with her. And we happened to be in the Phoenix, Arizona area, and I just remembered a friend of ours that is a pastor there. So I quickly, I didn't have the phone number, but I quickly got on Messenger and I said, hey, do you have any resources or know what any resources are in this area that I'd be able to give this lady? Because obviously I didn't know any of them. And she came back to me and she goes, we have a lady that deals with the homeless in our church give her her information. So I took down the lady's information and I left it with that lady and we prayed over that lady. So that was our first one and it didn't exactly deal with a veteran, but it was a veteran that asked us to pray with her. So hoping that little jot in his mind, but also with her. Texas, um, we got to Texas and it's called tapping out when you tap your helmet and go like that means you most generally have to go to the bathroom. And you can't make it to the next stop. So we tapped out once, got out. It was right before we were going into the Dallas area. And got off too soon, so we had to come back around. So where we were going to stop, we didn't stop. We stopped at a Brahms. Didn't get any ice cream, but we stopped at Brahms. Anyway, um, while I was waiting on Steve, a lady came up to me. And, of course, we have our vests on that have you know all the patches and everything. And a lady came up and said, what are you guys doing? And I told her about the run for the wall, and she just started crying. She said, my husband's a Vietnam veteran, and when he came home, he was spit on. And she goes, he's got so much within him. And I said, please. I said, we cannot take away that. 
I said, but we are doing our best to let every Vietnam veteran and every veteran that comes home know that we love them, we're glad they're home, and that we love them and appreciate everything that they've done for us. So I just put my arms around her and and said, please let your husband know that. So there's another one that it wasn't right within our platoon, but it was a veteran. So um, we went all the way in until we had just passed over the Mississippi River and we're just going into, is it Jackson or Jackson? And we had our first wreck. So when you're on the, and we had like 45%, I think by the end we had over 50, but starting out we had 45% new riders for this ride. Didn't mean they were new motorcycle riders, but they were new for this ride. And this is not an easy ride. You're going from 80 miles an hour to 20 miles an hour constantly, you know, so you're speeding up and then you're slamming on your brakes, you know, so... um, the fact that we'd gone that far was really kind of a miracle that there hadn't been any other mishaps. But, you know, when we'd get into some of the states, there was, it was more often, you know, across the bridges, they'd have the flags and people would be waving. And the tendency is, you know, because this is your speed hand right here. So the tendency would be to go like this and you'd be like this, you know. Well, then when they'd come back down, everybody's stopping in front of them, you know. So they're having to slam on. Well, that just causes a ripple effect. So um, we had just crossed in, and this is probably one of the biggest bridges, and the most they were on the side of the road. I mean, they were just waving. And so, you know, it just draws everybody's attention, and that's what happened. You know, they got kind of caught up with, hey, you know. And so we had a mishap. Um, we had, I think, it did end up, that was the one that I sent for the prayer request because we didn't know if anything other than something. Well, we saw it because they were in front of us, and then there was a group behind us, the same thing. So it ended up, there was a broken arm out of that one. So, you know, I thank you for your prayers. You know, we do always emphasize we're on things like that. Please do not share these prayer requests on Facebook because the last thing we want is for a family member to see my fam- my, you know, my family member was in a car accident and they haven't been notified yet because you can only imagine the imagination runs. And so we don't want that to happen. But I did want you to be praying because I value your prayers and I thank you for that. Um, there's, they do outreach runs. So like a group would go and do an outreach and they, they try to find families that have lost loved ones. And they'll take a group and they'll go over and go with the family to the grave. They'll, they'll lay a wreath. They do the whole honors and all that. And our first one um, we went was a, a mother... And her, uh, the brother and the sister of a young man that had died in Vietnam. And it was so precious. I mean, she was just getting ready to have her 90th birthday. And, you know, she just kept saying, he was such a good boy. He was such a good boy. And she was right. He was a good boy. He was still a boy when he went off into the war. They go off as boys and what they go through. So we were very honored to go with her. The second one, our whole platoon got to go on, was to a VA hospital. And I couldn't believe it, but there were actually two World War II veterans that had survived Pearl Harbor. One was actually on a ship, and he was... And all you do, you know, I'd go up to him, and the cards that our children, the thank you cards, we were passing them out to all the veterans, and they loved them. It touched... I mean, one of them was like... How can, I, how can I tell them thank you? You know, how do I get a hold of them? I said, well, our, this is our website. You know, you can just put something on there. But they really love the fact that our children cared enough to say thank you. So we were passing them out. And 
I would go up to him and say, so what branch of the military were you in? That would get them going. And then they start telling you their story, you know. And they have some really phenomenal stories if somebody will just stop and listen to them. But the two World War II veterans, you know, that was just something else, that they were both in the same place, you know. But um, one of them had been on a ship, and he was just going on about his commander had had them back the ship up, and if he hadn't done that, um, almost to the, the ground, he said they would not have survived. So those were a couple of the outreaches that we were able to do. Um, and the next day when we um, got back and we were all back with our platoon, because that was a couple days that we had been gone. Most of the platoon, or the whole platoon had gone the one day. But when we got back, one of them came up to Steve and said, now, are you guys with us today? So he goes, yeah, we were, you know, we were on an outreach. And he goes, oh, good. He goes, because there's just so much more peace when you guys are here. Wow. And we've not said a word to anybody about, you know, you need to get, you know, nothing. And so um, it's, it's just amazing that the little things that you do. Now, I have to share this because this is really a fun, I mean, they have this thing so organized. So we have platoons, and there were 11 platoons. And so when you're going in for, like, your gas stops, you don't ever get off your motorcycle. So all these, in our group, there were three runs. We were on the southern route. There was over 600 motorcycles. The mid route, um, they had over 400, and then the central route, which is actually the original route, they had over 600. So we're talking a lot of motorcycles. So when you come into the gas stations, they've already got them set up. They've got men standing at them, and they're holding the, the gas thing. And so you, you're, they're just pushing you through, getting you into two lines at each pump, and you never get off your bike. You can't get off your bike until after you've gotten your gas. So you just pull up, and you turn it off. You put in enough gas, and then you just keep going. And then you go back to the back, and they get you back in your platoons. They set you up. So then once you get there, then you can get off and do the bathroom and get the waters and all that thing. So it's, it's, I wish I had taken, gotten off or tapped out and gotten there before them or something to be able to just video that. Because it's, it's really something to think of 600 bikes and they get through in a phenomenal amount of time. I mean, because they've got it so organized, just like the military. Everything's organized and everybody stays in their lane. So it was really pretty cool. And then um, whenever we walk through the Vietnam, past the Vietnam Wall, that is the place where everybody that's an FNG, a fun new guy, they have pins that say FNG, and they have things on them that kind of indicate, so everybody knows, okay, this is a new guy, they might not know exactly what's going on, that kind of a deal. So by the time we get to the wall, though, they ask somebody that has meant something to them on the run to turn their pin. You turn it upside down, because that means they're not a fun new guy anymore. So we had some in our platoon that came up to us and said, you know, tomorrow at the wall, will you be there? We're like, oh, yeah, we'll be there. And they go, well, we want you to turn our pin. And so um, that meant everything to us. It meant that we actually, we touched their hearts and that we meant something to them. And we know that what they felt from us was God. They felt his love. They felt his compassion. And they felt his remembrance of them that they that we valued them so we did that and um you know steve and i we do these things and these things get us out of our comfort zone because he loves to ride i love to ride behind him but this isn't a a fun ride this was a very hard ride and um 
So this gets us out of our comfort zone. And we do these things because we feel like the Lord tells us to do these things, but I think it's also because we ask you to get out of your comfort zone. And if we're asking you to get out of your comfort zone, we need to get out of our comfort zone. We lead the way by example. So these things are not always easy for us, but we're going to do them because that's what God has called us to do. And that's what God has called you to do, is to get out of your comfort zone. Walk into a place that you might not normally walk into, or a situation, and be balm, Be a light, not a mouth. That's what we're supposed to be here on this earth. And everything is different for each of us. What he calls us to do, he might not call you to do. Or what he calls Ann to do, he might not call Amy to do. But my question is, are you doing what he's asking you to do? Are we as a church doing what he's asking us to do? And I think that's what we have to ask ourselves every day. At the end of the day, did I do what he wanted me to do? Did I walk up to somebody that I was supposed to walk up to? Or did I turn and see somebody who might have looked like they were struggling and just say, you know, I'm here if you need anything. You know, I think we get so busy in life. We get busy with our families. We get busy with our jobs. And sometimes we don't notice those that are standing right next to us. And even here in this, in this congregation, we have people that are hurting, that are struggling. And it's important for us to say, you doing all right? And that's not just in a casual way. When I ask you, I think you'll notice, I look in your eyes and I say, are you doing okay? And sometimes people will say, yeah, I'm doing all right. No, you're not. What's going on? And we need to be that concerned about each other. One of the churches we stopped at was the church where the young pastor had committed suicide. I wonder if anybody had looked him in the eye and said, how you doing? Maybe they did, and maybe he just wouldn't answer. Because that happens too. But I think in this day and age, we've got to become more aware of who's around us and what they're going through. Because we're all going through something, right? If you're walking in shoe leather, you're going through something. And we need each other. When by the time we get back, I mean, I can't wait to get here to see you guys because you just, it just brings my energy back. I got up this morning and I thought, oh, I don't want to go to church. I'm too tired. But yet inside of me, I'm like, I want to go to church. I've got to get my energy back because I can't stay like this. Because if I chose to stay home and, and just be tired and just not doing anything, That's not good. That's not good for me because it's just downhill from there. So sometimes we have to say, you know what? Give yourself a kick in the backside and say, get up and get in there. So um, thank you all for being here. We love you so very much. We pray for you all the time. And I appreciate each and every one of you for the prayers that you've put over us, but that you put over the ones when we put a need before you. Because I know you do. I can sense that. And it's your prayers flowing through us that touched everybody that we were with. So we thank you so very much. We miss you when we're gone, and we're so happy when we're back. So God bless you. Thank you.
And now it's my honor to introduce Miss Ann Gleaton. And I'm the one that covered up your notes, so I apologize. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? And I will look you in the eyes. I'll, I'll be sure to do that. Have you ever received something in the mail or on the email that says, save the date? I have. And it's been a joyous time looking forward to it. Well, I am issuing a save the date for June 23rd. That's the fourth Sunday of June for us here. And I want everyone and his brother and his aunt and whomever you can bring to be here to meet in person our missionaries, Jamie, Jessica, um, Sophie, and Ethan Dunning, who serve in Nairobi, Kenya. They are the ones that we began um, saving funds for. Remember Thirsty for God's Overflow? Uh, several months ago, I shared with you the need of a, a Vum, the name of the village is Vumwe, um, in the Tana Delta River area that um, did not even have a well, not even a broken well. And when you don't have a well out there, you have to walk miles and miles just to get a cup of water. And so I positioned that um, need to you, and it went out across our denomination, and there was a great influx of giving. The Lord touched many people's hearts. So the well has been dug, and a solar system to generate electricity and power for, for running the well has been accomplished, yet there is still a need. And so I encourage you to continue to save your dollars, your nickels, your dimes, and bring them on the 23rd because you know what we can help purchase? They need seed. Yeah, you have to have seed to grow crops. And also they have to rent a tractor from the government to plow it up. And I started thinking about that. Wow. The power, the opportunity we have. Think in the natural we're going to provide them seed. We're going to provide the tractor that furrows up and prepares the ground. And we can pray for Holy Spirit who goes before our Lord Jesus preparing the soil of their hearts. Because this is a predominantly Muslim village. There are a few Christians who continue to witness and they are a light, not necessarily a mouth, but they continually walk by faith before these villagers. And so we can help in the natural furrow and give seed. And we know Holy Spirit is going to prepare their, their heart, the soil of their heart, for the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So please come prepared to bless our Dunning family and to hear the awesome work that this family is doing in East Africa. Thank you. Well, this morning, I'm not going to get to the message, so you can just take that bulletin home with you, read the scriptures, read the outline, and come back next week fired up to receive. I love it when God has a different plan, don't you? So many were touched in that God moment already this morning, and I thank Him for that. And then when I came up, I looked over to my left, your right, and I saw Melissa Ladd over there worshiping the Lord. All of you know the story. Paul and Melissa have went through a horrible ordeal. About six weeks ago, he actually lost all use of his arms and his legs, had to be put on life support. 
and, and I saw her over there and I said, you've got to come and give God some praise. Tell us what God's doing in Paul's life. I visited him this week and it's amazing what a God we serve. I'm here to tell you that we serve an awesome God. My family is living proof that there is nothing that is too hard for our God. Come on, y'all. There is nothing that is too hard for our God. It doesn't matter what you're facing, death, despair. You can trace the heart of God through it all. Amen. And I'm so grateful that the Father, through eyes of love and mercy, looked down on us and sent His Son so we can be healed, so we can be restored so we can be made whole. Amen, amen. I want to thank everybody so much for praying for my husband. Like Pastor said, it wasn't but a few short weeks ago he was on life support and you don't think when you're 33 years old that you're going to have to face a decision like that in your life. And in that moment, fear tried to grip my heart but I promise you as good as I'm standing here. I heard the Spirit of God simply do this. Shh. Peace. Peace. And it is so amazing how the faithfulness and the peacefulness of God, if you would just let the flesh go, let what you see with the natural go, don't look through these, look through this. And it's amazing once you fully allow yourself to rest in the peace of God that He so freely offers. It's amazing the miracles that He can do. My husband, in a series of few short weeks, was diagnosed with a rare type of Guillain-Barre disease. He initially had a stroke. And then when they did a scan, they saw what they thought was a lesion on his spinal cord. And they diagnosed him with Guillain-Barre. And there's usually three different types of Guillain-Barre that you can get. And for some reason, my husband developed all three at one time. And it's very, very rare. It's about one in every 200,000 people get a type of Guillain-Barre like that. And the doctor gave us no hope, but we know that Jesus Christ gives us hope amen and in that short period of time of going from life support to this morning my husband's able to talk he's getting strength back in his body every single day he's starting to move his legs and every day that I come and see him it's an I love you baby is there anything that I could do for you Paul no just remind everybody this one thing and the one thing they always say is still king and I want to tell you this morning no matter what mountain you're facing no matter what trouble comes your way please believe me as I declare to you this morning that Jesus he is still king and the king still takes care of all of his kids amen Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church, 
Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.